at um, yeah, serving throughout this term. Um, Caroline started us off with looking at the feeding of the 5,000 and kind of asking what's in our hands, what, like, what little can we offer to God? Um, and then I think Julia um, kind of yeah, continued the series by looking at why do we serve. Um, so as I said, yeah, I'm looking at why, like serving versus calling and what do I even mean by that? Um, so for when I first kind of think, oh, I'm going to speak on this topic, I was like, I'm not sure I would really pair serving with calling, I'm not going to lie, um, but kind of exploring it deeper, I'm like, actually, it, yeah, it does kind of fit. Um, sometimes actually we mix up calling and serving um, quite easy. Um, so, yeah. Um, but first of all, I'm going to th- speak a bit about serving. Um, and I think, I was like, what, how do I define serving? Like, it's just such, such a common thing we do in the church that sometimes we just don't really think about it. Um, and you'll often hear people at the front be like, oh, please come and join this team or please come and help us with this event. Um, but I, I think actually the thing we need to think about when we think about serving is like, actually why do we do it? Like, what's the point? Um, yeah, can't a church just employ people to put on these events or like to serve the tea and coffee? Like, why as a church are we invited to to serve on various teams, like why is it so important? Um, and I think the thing that I come to first and foremost is actually um, Mark 12, verses 29 to 31. Um, and this is where Jesus is um, replying to a teacher of the law when he comes up to Jesus and says, like, there's so many laws, like, what's the most important ones? Like, what are the ones that we should be focusing on? And Jesus says, the most important one... Jesus answered, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no great commandment greater than these. And for Jesus, actually, this was what the law was all about. Um, kind of for him, he was there, obviously, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And um, God gave, yeah, Moses the Ten Commandments to shape Israel into a nation, into a community that loved God with everything that they had. Um, but, yeah, the whole kind of like love the Lord your God with your soul, your mind, your heart, and your strength. It doesn't really leave much else for you to love God with. Um, and, and to also love their neighbors as themselves, for them to show love as a community, to be a signpost to the nations around them of how to live as, as, um, as God's people. And I think Jesus himself really embodied this throughout his ministry and ultimately to the cross. Um, in, yeah, because you, you see him throughout scripture doing this by washing his disciples' feet, by feeding the 5,000, by healing people that were out, outcast by society, by spending time with sinners and tax collectors so much so that he got the reputation of being a glutton and a drunkard. Like, can you imagine kind of being around the people that society's rejected so much that you have the reputation of being like them, but actually that didn't scare Jesus away. That was, yeah, that was him loving God and loving other people. And I think also we serve because Jesus first served us. 
like he called us out of whatever life we had before, um, all the ups and downs, and he calls us through the ups and downs, obviously, but um, actually he called us to, um, yeah, he's, he first, it's the kind of thing, like, God first loved us, that's why we love others, and like, we, God first served us, that's why we serve him. Um, and, yeah, and actually that kind of leads on to um, uh, 1 Samuel 12, verse 24. It says, Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, considering what great things he has done for you. So maybe just take a moment now just to think of all the great things God has done for you. Um, maybe it's some really massive things, or maybe actually it's really some small things that just p- put a smile on your face for the day. Like actually, that is so important that it's it's an act of worship for us. It should be an act of wholehearted worship. Ephesians six verse seven says, "Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people." And actually, that's what serving's all about. When we serve, we are actually serving God. Like it's, I we. When I was on my gap year with an organisation called YWAM, we had, um, which is a mission organisation, we had various things that we had to do. It was kind of like, um, I don't know what we can't remember what we called them, but basically it was kind of like oh, I had to clean the toilets or kind of like we didn't kind of just sit there and receive teaching and then worship. We actually had to pitch in and see work on the campus done. And actually, f- for us, that was really a way to be like. I'm cleaning the toilets, it's probably not my preferred job, but I'm doing it for the Lord, actually, and I'm doing it for other people, and I'm blessing them. Um, And it's not about what I can get out of this, but it's for God, and it's for others. Um, And especially when people don't see us, people don't see us serving that often. It's so easy, isn't it, for us to walk past the hatch and get coffee, but actually not see the people behind the hatch or people who've ordered the coffee or ordered the cakes or made the cakes at home. Like, There's so much stuff that goes behind the scenes that we don't see, but actually we need people to do these things. Um, and actually we also serve to bless others as others have blessed us. So yeah, when has the service of another been a blessing to you? When I was a student, I was part of a church called Trent Vineyard, um, and actually, th- those people there really, um, I, to be honest, the people on the student team, I wouldn't be here without them, um, because actually they were made as, they're serving me and the other students made such a profound impact on me that I became a student worker because of it, um, and I'm here now because of that um, blessing that other people were to me. Um, but then let's go on to calling. Um, what comes to mind when I say the word calling? What, if, someone, if someone's asked you, what is your calling, like, what would you say? I think if you asked me what my calling was, I'd honestly have no idea. Like, I'd, I'd just be like, uh, what even is calling? Come on. Um, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines calling as a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action especially accompanied by conviction of divine influence. Does that clear it up at all? Anyone? I I don't know. Conviction of divine influence. 
has anyone had a burning bush recently or an audible voice from God? Because I know I have it and I'm still waiting. Come on, God. Um, and I wish actually knowing my calling and my purpose was so easy, um, was so simple as this. And I can just like vividly remember finishing my year on relay after I graduated. So I worked for UCF um, as a relay worker, working with CUs, um, Christian unions. And like, everyone was like, so what are you going to do next? All the time. It's, it's so like, you're like, I don't know. Um, and I think, especially with this education system today, you're, you're so much on train tracks until you finish uni, and then it's like, and here's the whole world. Go. And it's like, what? Um, and sadly, there is no step-by-step -step guide. Um, I can't open my Bible and see, right, I'm going to be a carpenter like Jesus. Like, that's my calling, because it just doesn't work like that. Or... I, don't get, I didn't get a note on my 18th birthday with God being like, right, this is the next 30 years. This is exactly what I want you to do. Sadly, it's not that easy. And I think sometimes we do get a sense of God, what um, he may be calling, calling us to. Um, but in my experience, he rarely shows me more than the next step. Um, and I think even then, it's sometimes like, I'm ready to take the next step, but you still haven't told me where to do it. And then he's like, here you go, and you're like, oh, phew, but that was cutting a little bit fine, Jesus. Um, and I think call it, we think calling isn't simple, but actually I want to maybe say that it maybe it actually quite it is. Maybe it's simple, it's actually more simple than we think because we've been too narrow in what we think calling is. So let's just take a step back. Um, what, how, yeah, how does scripture define calling? Maybe that's a better starting point. Um, so actually, the doctrine of calling came more popular um, with the reformers. Um, so basically, the Roman Catholics were saying, oh, no, if you're, calling is mainly for those who are going into church service through a priesthood or maybe they're becoming a nun. That is calling, but everything else, no, that's not calling. Um, but actually, the reformers were like, hang on, hang on. Like, we're a priesthood of, like, we're priesthood or believers, like, come on, like, all of us as Christians are called to live life faithfully in all areas. And actually, all work is valuable to God, no matter how mundane, not just, and not just the work done at church. My work, nowhere, like, is not at all more important than any of yours. It's not more valuable to the kingdom but actually, I think the way that we do it is important. Uh, so 2 Peter 1 verse 10 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So obviously, calling is quite an important thing. Um, and for, like, for whoever wrote to Peter, whether it was Peter or someone else, um, they were writing to the readers to actually encourage them to live a life um, that was holy, actually in view of God, of Christ returning. There were some false teachers that were saying, oh, Christ is not going to return. It doesn't matter how you live now. Um, but actually, the, the um, writer of Peter is saying, yes, it actually is really important because Christ will return, and we need to live in light of that. Um, and so... 
And that's actually also, the word for calling in this is the same word that is used in Ephesians 4, verse 1, um, that says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And actually, this, is, this verse is the hinge point of Ephesians. So before that, Paul's very much talking about like, what Christ has done, what God has done for us. And then he goes on to be like, because of this, this is how you should live. So maybe we need to widen calling again. Um, maybe it's not just something we do at a specific time. or it's a th- Maybe it's actually more overarching. Maybe it's something that we look back over our life and we see, actually, I've lived a life for God and I've lived a li- holy life and I've lived a life worthy of what he's done for me. Um, and I think the Bible's packed, absolutely packed, with instructions on how to live a holy life, from Genesis 1, verse 28, to Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, and beyond. So, yeah, Genesis 1, 28. So this is the first kind of instruction that God gives um, his people. He says, uh, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. While roll, uh, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that, that moves on the ground. Yeah, so this is kind of saying, come on, partner with me in bringing the earth somewhere. That we want that, let's, let's kind of bring order out of chaos together. Um, and then we kind of see like that basically... God building a people, building a nation um, to live for him. Um, and then obviously Jesus comes on the scene, and then he leaves his, when he, before he goes up to heaven, he leaves his disciples with another instruction in Matthew 28, um, 18 to 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So almost like, is this maybe our starting point, that actually we're called to make disciples, and that's where we should start. And for every one of us, that's going to look different. And actually the Bible is a way for us to to kind of help us to live in a way that honors God and honors each other. Um, and if you're kind of still like, I'm still not quite sure what calling is, can I recommend Garden City by John Mark Homer? Um, I've just finished reading that, and actually it's a great book on calling and like the overarching kind of topic of calling. Um, and I also kind of, before we move on, I want to leave, I want to kind of talk about maybe some of the dangers of calling that we, if we focus too much on it, um, if we don't keep that overarching narrative of, yeah, that we're actually called to go and make disciples and teach them to obey. Um, yeah, if, if we don't do that, actually we're in danger of a th- few things. So the first danger is, I think, that we can actually put our, call, our calling on a pedestal and we can make it an idol. Um, we can be so focused on, what is my calling? Where should I go next? That we can miss like, what God puts right in front of us. Um, we can miss out on the opportunity to follow Jesus out of our comfort zones. To grow, we can miss out on the opportunity to grow more in the image of our servant king. 
and we can miss out on the opportunity to depend on God wherever he places us. If we're so focused on, do I feel called to this? Do I feel called to that? Have we missed people in need in front of us? Have we missed Jesus being like, but I want you to do this now? And I think the second danger as well is like, if we're waiting for our calling, we can be waiting a long time. Especially if we're waiting for that audible voice of God or that um, burning bush bush moment. Um, And especially if we're waiting for those kind of things, we can forget that he speaks in a small whisper. Um, that he can speak for other people, that he can speak for our circumstances. Um, and I think also we maybe forget that Moses was 80-year-old, 80, when he had the burning bush moment, and he was a shepherd for a good 40 years of that. So, like, I, yeah, and I'm sure God called him because of the way that he served him in those wilderness years. Um, and also, David didn't become a king until he was 30, Um, He was anointed at 15, but there's a lot that happened before he actually became a king. Um, And Jesus also was a carpenter for most of his life. If you look at his ministry and his actual life, 80% probably of his life was being a carpenter, was working with his hands, was working with his hands in an obscure town near Bethlehem. And I think it's so easy for us to look at the various characters of the Bible, Abraham, Moses, David, John the Baptist, and Paul, and we're like, they, have, they had a calling on their life. But they were more the exception than the norm, like even in the Bible. Like we were reading um, the end of Romans at our like, morning prayers a couple of week, days ago, and Paul just lists so many people that get one line in the Bible but were actually essential to his ministry. Um, lots of people that were essential to um, yeah, Paul's ministry and other people's ministries don't even get mentioned. Um, and I think if we are waiting for a long time, if we get to the end of our lives and we're, like, we're so focused on where, where was our calling, um, we can miss out on where people have blessed us, where we've served and loved others before uh, in front of us. Um, and yeah, we can miss out and yeah, miss out on the beauty of life and kind of how the, diff- the small things um, that God has asked us to do um, and has walked with us in. And then the third danger, I think, is um, mixing up serving with calling. And I don't know how many times maybe I'm guilty of this, but um, I think it's easy to count ourselves out when help is needing, needed. So, yeah, yeah, I think also I'm guilty from it. On the other side, I can say, if you feel called to student ministry, and someone's like, well, I don't feel called, so no, that's not me. And I'm like, actually, I just need someone who's like loves people and is, has time and ha- or has money or has this, like, you don't need to be skilled to come and work with students students we just need to love them um and so i kind of want like it's for me as well but i want to gently challenge us that whenever we use calling as an excuse and i think it's really easy to do in a large church it's very easy to be like oh i don't feel called to this but i'm sure someone else is i'm sure they will step up um but i think we can risk limiting what god wants to do in us um, and how he can work through us so, yeah, going back to redefining calling, 
Um, I think 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7 says this really well. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. This is what it looks like, actually. This is what calling looks like. It's to live a holy life. And as I said before, the Bible is full of helpful instructions. But I think the overarching one is going back to love the Lord your God and love others. Love your neighbor. Part of our, servi- our calling is to serve God and to serve others. Galatians 5, verse 13 to 14 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not to use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what does the call to serve look like? What does it look like to love one another humbly in love? Or to serve one another to show our love for other people? I think it looks like, I think the call to serve looks like working for God's glory and not our own. Even if this means, like Jesus, our reputation or our standing amongst others or our pride is on the line. Serving is actually, it's not about us. It's not about what we get from it. It's about how we serve others and how we, yeah, how we worship God in that. I think also we're called to serve wholeheartedly. So Ephesians, going back to Ephesians 6 verse 7, um, says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. And then there's a similar verse in Colossians 3 verse 23. It says, um, Work. Yeah, whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart, with your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So there's kind of a similar thing, isn't there? There, there's the serving with your, with your, all your heart, but there's also working, and that kind of carries across both for serving and calling. And actually, we're also called to use our gifts our passions, our resources. As I said, obviously, you don't need to be gifted to do a ministry. Um, but actually, God has given us gifts to look after and to use for his glory. Um, and what if all you have to give is your time? What if it's all you have to give is your life experience? Or what about your finances? What actually blessing can you be, for example, to the young people with your life experience, with your wisdom, um, and with your care? 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you should use the gift, whatever gift you have received, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Anything we give, no matter how little, is valuable. Going back to the feeding the 5,000, I'm not sure the boy, when he turned up, expected to be giving his lunch to Jesus and it to be feeding 5,000 people. Like, I'm not sure. He's like, I feel called to go and to bring my lunch. I feel called to offer it. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But also, maybe he was just willing to love people. Um, And I think, like, yeah, we're called to function out of a place of love. There's um, obviously the famous verse... Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, 
um, that talks about love, um, but there is especially part where it says, if all I possess, if I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. We can do so many generous, amazing acts of service in front of so many people, but if we're not loving the people that we're serving, we haven't made a difference and we're not gaining anything. And we're also called to meet the needs of those in front of us. Uh, Romans 12, verse 13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And we're called, <coughs> we're called to love people sacrificially. It's so easy, I think, if we just focus on calling or like our gifts when we serve, is to not be serving out of place of self-sacrifice. If we're not... <laughs> If we're so focused on like our gifts, then we're not focused on other people and God. And I think that obviously Jesus is our role model in this, isn't he? Uh, Mark 10 verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If the Son of God can go on his knees in front of his disciples and wash their smelly feet, then what is he calling us to do? I think also why we need to think why we why are we called to serve? Um, first of all, we're family as a church. We're the family, um, and I think even in our immediate families, if we see a need, we we want to automatically fill it, right? Um, I'm not sure what my mum would say if she asked me to unload the dishwasher, and I was like, "Sorry, mum, I don't feel called to it." I think I might get a smack upside the head. Um, and yeah, yeah, she taught me well. Um, but yeah, and also even in the early church, we see in Acts 2, towards the end with the fellowship of believers, that when anyone was in need, they sold their possessions and gave to them. Um, like obviously Liz just mentioned that as well, talking about giving. Um, but I think it's so important. And I think also we need, to, we need to serve because we're one body. We need everyone to play their part, to function, um, for us to function as a healthy body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And actually we serve to build up the church, not necessarily this building or the buildings around Leamington, but to build up the body of believers in this building and in the buildings around Leamington. And that doesn't just confine us to serving on a Sunday or serving when we're in church. We're to to build up and to serve other people um, around us, not just in church, but outside these walls. And actually, we are called to serve so that we can grow into the image of Jesus He is our ultimate role model on service. And we serve because he first served us. But also we're commanded to you as well. Um, For example, we are commanded to love one another, to honor one another. We're also commanded to practice hospitality. I'm not gonna lie, hospitality is not my strong point. Um, And sometimes I don't drink coffee. I don't know how to make the best coffee, I'm sorry. Um, But we are 
we're commanded to practice hospitality and not just the people who are gifted or passionate or skilled at it, but all of us. Um, it's not about us, again, it's not about the skills that we have, um, but it's about loving one another, it's about honouring one another. Um, and if we can invite someone into our home just to give them food and to welcome them into family, actually that's really important. Um, that might be such a blessing to someone who lives alone, just to have someone to invite them, like, to invite them over, even if it's chaotic, even if you haven't tidied up for the last four days, like, that's fine. Let's just be open. <laughs> Maybe some people don't think that's fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And I think also, like, overall, God is more concerned with who we're becoming than what we do. Um, he's not, when I get to heaven, he's not going to, well, yeah. When, he get, when I get to heaven, he's not going to ask me, why didn't you become more like Jonathan or Caroline or Paul? Like, he's going to ask me, like, why didn't you become the Christina I made you to be? And I think he also cares more if we become a more loving person, someone that is quick to love and serve him and those around us. Yeah, I think we need to think about the, where we're going, what the journey that we're going on, how God is forming us and growing us through the way that we serve, rather than whether we feel called necessary to serve in that ministry or to do that thing. Yeah, so in summary, yeah, serving and calling doesn't seem like it fits together very well, but actually they both have the overall arch of it. We're to love God and to love other people. Um, and we serve because Jesus first served us by dying on a cross for our sins and because he called us out of darkness to live a life worthy of his love for us. So I think, yeah, for this part, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 um, summarizes this really well. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Yeah, he is, we don't serve to gain his love or to gain salvation. We serve because he loved us and he saved us. Um, and we do it first and foremost for Jesus, um, but then also we do it for other people. Um, we don't do it for ourselves or for our own glory or for our own reputation, um, but we do it to love other people, and that's why we serve first and foremost.